Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to The Debrief from the Business of Fashion, where each week we go deep on our most popular BOF professional stories with the correspondents who created them. I'm Lauren Sherman. On a recent spring evening in Los Angeles' historic Chinatown, the fashion designer Alexander Wang staged his first runway show in more than three years. In 2021, after being publicly accused of sexual assault, the designer disappeared from the spotlight. Now, after publicly apologizing to his accusers, Wang is back, focusing on growing his booming business in China and reestablishing himself in the West, as I reported in a BOF professional feature last week. But Wang has a tough road ahead of him. Response to his attempted comeback has been decidedly mixed, with many on social media admonishing his return. So what happens next? Today, I have a very special guest with me to discuss Wang's rise, fall, and attempted comeback. In February 2021, Angelina Chapin and Matthew Schneier, senior writers at New York Magazine and The Cut, published an in-depth examination of the accusations against Wang and what it could mean for the future of his company. Matthew's here with me to discuss. Matthew, thank you so much for being here. I really love the piece that you collaborated with Angelina Chapin on in February 2021 about the accusations against Wang. Can you talk a bit about what was happening then and and what you all unearthed? Yeah, absolutely. Well, at the end of 2020, December of that year, a model named Owen Mooney made an allegation on TikTok that Wang had groped him at a party at at a club and began making the rounds pretty widely. Wang was dismissive of it at the time. He denied it. But after that initial allegation, a number of other individuals, mostly men, came forward to allege that Wang had also behaved inappropriately with them, most often out at nightlife events, at parties, at clubs, whatever else. There was a number of allegations, and of those, we were able to report out and substantiate about seven, I think, different accusers' recollections of uh, negative experiences they'd had with Wang that ranged from groping to non-consensual touch, experiences that made them uncomfortable sexually, whether or not they had necessarily disclosed that at the time. One thing we heard a lot was that they individually thought these were isolated incidents, and that once they began reading about comparable incidents online, they were upset and, I guess you would say, re-traumatized and came forward. And that part of the dynamic at play here was a power differential. These were generally young men who were in or wanted to be in the fashion industry, 
Wang at this point, as he is now, was an extremely known quantity, a very famous American designer whose reputation really preceded him. And the idea that he was quite prominent, many accusers described to us as being at the forefront of their minds as they were undergoing these experiences. So we spent a few weeks, months, in fact, I think even speaking to people, reporting out these stories, Wang had alleged that none of these stories had been fact-checked and were being irresponsibly circulated online. We checked them and substantiated them insofar as possible and published our story in February. At the time we published, Wang did not comment for our story, although his attorneys disputed a few small points in individual anecdotes. But he was saying publicly that this was completely untrue and these stories were outrageous, atrocious, baseless, and grotesquely false is the word he used. Not long after our story, he ended up meeting with a number of accusers who were considering pursuing legal action against him and gave them the opportunity to speak directly to him. And he acknowledged that he stopped short, I think, of offering a full apology or agreeing to the specifics of their experiences. But what he said, and and he said this publicly as well, was that he listened carefully to what they had to say and he regretted acting in a way that caused them pain. So that's some distance from calling them grotesquely and basically false. It is it is also, you know, very specifically not owning the specific truth of their allegations. And Lisa Bloom is an attorney who was representing a number of them. She made clear at that point that the accusers she represented were not going to go forward legally. She would not comment at the time about whether any sort of agreement, financial or otherwise, had been reached. So we don't know. It would not be unheard of in cases like these, but we also can't speculate without knowing more from either side, which we're very unlikely to at this point. Were you surprised that he came forward at all and said what he said, which was not a full on, I'm sorry, I did this to people, but it was an acknowledgement of their pain? I think the circumstances really changed. And I think he acknowledged that. I do not know him personally or intimately. We've obviously met many times over the years, but I I wouldn't purport to speak for him or, or speak to his state of mind. But my assumption was that he believed that anonymous allegations shared online in a kind of crowdsourced way on sites like Diet Prada and Shit Model Management could be pretty easily swatted away and wouldn't necessarily be believed or wouldn't stick if they were. And I think once it got to the level where not only you and I, but uh, you know, a number of other journalists in the UK, in the US, were really reporting out these stories that it wasn't a sustainable position to claim that these were simply grotesquely false, that for the good of his brand, he was going to have to make some statement or other. I mean, we, we should be very clear at the time of the reporting, and as far as I'm aware, the time since, this was not necessarily about a criminal prosecution. This is about an alleged criminal act and the very real reputational and business damage that these kind of stories, especially in the wake of Me Too, have. And I think also customer tolerance and customer resilience to you know deciding whether they want to support designers, artists, creative, what have you, who have been credibly accused of really heinous acts. I will say one thing that that came up a lot in the course of our reporting was that many of the people we spoke to expressed a desire for acknowledgement more than they expressed a desire for anything punitive. I certainly think that one very useful way to move forward for all parties concerned was a kind of acknowledgement. I talked to for a more recent story on the update, the state of his business to this crisis comms guy who manages this stuff for Fortune 500 companies, et cetera. And he said the way that Wang responded 
was probably the best way he could have in terms of making it clear that he wanted to move forward. And given the circumstances, he felt like it was handled the best it could be. And maybe we could rewind for just one minute and talk about Wang's brand prior to all of this. And one thing is that it was always known as a party brand. It was like every Alexander Wang fashion show, he would host a Wang fest and it was a big party. Remember the one there was Hooters or something? It was like- The Hooters girls came with the wings. Yeah, exactly. And so it was always about partying. It was about like what you wear when you roll out of bed after being out all night. And so where was his brand before this all happened in terms of its coolness with young consumers or what have you? You know, in terms of Wang's brand, it certainly was from its earliest days, very predicated on the idea of having a really good time, being young, fun in New York and LA and wherever else he happened to be. I mean, Wang's brand really rose and Wang's own star really rose on the back of this idea that he was really an energetic, fun guy. At the end of his shows, he would come racing down the runway. I mean, he just couldn't be more excited to be there. He really saw the party of it all. And I think that was really enthralling for a lot of people and really seductive for a lot of people, including me as as a critic and reporter at the time. I mean, those were the shows you wanted to go to. Those were certainly the after parties you wanted to go to. And he seemed to lavish as much attention on the kind of ethos and aura around the brand as he did on the individual clothing items, which is not to say that there were not big hit bags, big hit shoes, jeans, sweats, the the whole thing, dresses. I think his brand was always very closely allied with the idea of partying. And it seems to me that the story that emerged to us reporting this was that that kind of party life seemed to bleed into his own life. And I think as he is coming out of this and and as he is trying to reemerge, it's noticeable that that seems less to be the case. I was not at the LA show, as you were, but I've read in some of the pieces about it in the New York Times, for example, that they took great pains to avoid using the word party, that Wang is not putting himself necessarily so much at the center of it. He was declining all interviews. I don't mean to suggest anything necessarily malign from that, but I think the life of the party era of Wang may at least be in hibernation, if not fully over. It just felt really, really toned down. And I would say in the collection that was shown, it felt very Alexander Wang and he's he's a really good designer and has a signature. It felt like fun going out clothes, but they felt very sophisticated. You know, it didn't feel like he was trying to market to 18 year olds. It felt like he was trying to market to people his age, the people he's always been designing for who maybe still like to go out, but not in the same way. It's interesting because he went away for a few months and then at the Met Ball, he dressed CL, the Korean pop star. And then a couple of other things happened where he sort of slowly began to integrate himself back into the fashion media conversation, at least. What did you notice start to happen? I noticed the same thing that happens in many of these cases, which is there's a period of reflection. There's often some kind of either acknowledgement or apology. And then there is a gradual reemergence. And I don't have a horse in this race. I am not here to say that he should or should not be forgiven. It's not for me to forgive him or not forgive him. 
it's up to customers and the public to decide whether they're still interested in what he has to say and whether whatever issues they may have with him personally impact their interest in hearing it. You know, there, there are clearly people from everyday shoppers to extremely famous fans who remain interested in him and his work. You mentioned CL at the Met Gala. I noticed that. I saw more recently Charlie D'Amelio was wearing a look of his at the MTV VMAs. Julia Fox has been wearing him a lot and been very publicly into it. These are people who, you know, to some extent have, have always been interested in him and always supported him. And I think they still will. And the American customer and, you know, the American media has a relatively short memory, but they also, I think, may be willing to forgive if someone takes some degree of responsibility and moves forward, hopefully, in, in a different way. I mean, there was an interesting line, I think, in your story with the crisis comms guy saying he doesn't have a lot of leeway left to screw up again. And I don't know. Maybe that's right. I have not been shocked to see that people are willing to continue working with him and patronizing him. I'm sure there's some people who won't. I've certainly seen some light chatter on social media suggesting they shouldn't. And as with all things, people can vote with their opinions and their dollars. And I think some people will have fallen off from that brand and some people will continue and some new ones will come on. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. When I first started writing BOF, it was out of pure passion for this industry and with an eye to how the disruptive forces of digitization, globalization, and consumer shifts would change the way fashion works. 15 years later, we are well on our way to helping to define the fashion business of the future. As I travel the world, some of you ask me what's the best way to support BOF as we continue to act as your guide during these turbulent times. The best way to support BOF is to support our journalism by joining BOF Professional, the largest community of fashion professionals in the world. A BOF Professional membership gives you access to our agenda-setting insights and analysis, which you won't find anywhere else plus the opportunity to learn from our talented team of correspondents and editors, as well as our wider network of the fashion industry's leading creatives, thinkers, and futurists. Follow the link in the episode notes to learn more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So much has changed in the last 20 years in fashion, the way the business works, all that stuff, but also what consumers want. And it did feel like at some point, his ability to tap into the zeitgeist disappeared or was dampened and that he wasn't the center of things anymore. What does someone like that do when their whole business is predicated on being cool 
when what they do isn't like the cool thing anymore? How do they maintain relevance? I don't think there's any one answer. I think there's all sorts of ways to try to do it and some will succeed and some will not succeed. I mean, you know, the thing about fashion is it's constantly changing and there's a relentless appetite for the new and you're not going to be the hot new kid forever. You may have seasons where you're up and seasons where you're down and that's sort of as much as anybody can possibly ask. I mean, it's also a dangerous game to be trying to be the coolest person of the moment because to sustain a business in an industry like fashion, very punishing margins, you actually need to appeal to a lot of people, which is in some ways the antithesis of cool, but will actually bring the cash flow that you may need to keep the lights on. We see all sorts of young gun designers who are experimenting with new ways of, of developing a business. Some are moving away from wholesale, some are moving into entertainment, some are moving into whole arenas altogether. I think for Wang, as you said, the example of China and the Chinese market is a really important one. That's always a market that he's had some presence and some interest in. He seems to be doubling down on it. It sounds from your reporting like that is working well for him. I also think there is a different type of social media in China and a different type of understanding of issues like the ones that he is faced and the things that he's been accused of. His brand still does sell, and I think it still fills an important niche for a certain kind of retailer. But we've been doing this long enough that it's hard to predict what the industry is going to look like in two years or five years, let alone 10 years or another 20. So when I was doing this most recent piece, one of the things that kept coming up was this idea that the accusations were a wake-up call to him, but that he saw it as something where he needed to look inward and kind of figure out where he was in his business. And that has pushed forward what he's working on now and the strategy now. And and as you said, once legitimate outlets started reporting on this, he took it very seriously. And what's happening now is a result of that. And my final question for you would be, what do you think could potentially be next for him? He is a talented designer. I think he has a long experience in this business and enough grounding in it to understand what it takes to make a business work. One thing we haven't really touched on is that though there were not any kind of allegations of misconduct uh, at the company that we uncovered, certainly the company seemed fairly chaotic for a while. There was a succession of CEOs. He was briefly a CEO himself. That was from a phase in fashion where a number of designers were sort of making themselves CEOs. There was resting family control and whether brother-in-law or sister-in-law was in in charge for a while. I mean, they clearly needed to get the shop in order. And I think one thing that will be important for them to go forward is to really get the house in order, outline a strategy that's not only about perception and media, but also about merchandising and fulfillment and designs and, and making sure that he's building that business back up in a stable way. And I think if that is so, and if some portion of the existing customer base decides to continue supporting him and and new ones come on board, that I think the business can and will endure in some form. Is it going to be the hottest ticket at New York Fashion Week? I don't know about that. I wouldn't bet against it, but I don't know about that now. But one thing that we're really noticing, and I think we really saw it with this show in LA, is that he is pivoting to speak much more directly to his customer. There were a couple hundred people at that show. Very few of them were the quote-unquote fashion establishment with fashion press. It wasn't the point. And I think it sounds to me, it seems to me like he is reorienting to speak much more directly to the client base. And he's not alone in that. I think many businesses are finding that to be a strategy worth adopting at this point. Again, I don't know if that's forever, but he seems a little bit to be over the idea that the only way to succeed in fashion is to be the golden boy in every page of every magazine and all of that. 
from this initial step back, he seems to be reorienting and refocusing on his customer. And that is a strategy that I think may very well pay off for him. Thank you so much for being here, Matt. I really appreciate it. The Debrief drops every Wednesday. Make sure to follow wherever you get your podcast to never miss an episode. You can join BOF Professional today with an exclusive 25% discount on an annual membership covering key industry topics from sustainability to technology to marketing with access to our case studies, live events, and iOS app. To get this special offer and benefit from 25% off of a membership, head to the link in the episode show notes or enter the coupon code DEBRIEF at checkout. Visit businessoffashion.com slash memberships.